Hello and welcome everyone to episode 15 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. Today I have something incredibly different from what I've been doing before. So before I've been covering games, movies, podcast episodes with friends. Today what I have are some of my One Piece recap episodes. So I've been watching One Piece on Netflix and I started over from the beginning but it's going to take me a long time because there's like a thousand episodes. I've been watching an episode or two here and there every day. And I write down notes on whatever struck me. And then I make recap episodes on YouTube. So I am re-uploading them as audio only. The YouTube videos only have still images. So there's really not much you're missing. If you do want to check out the videos though, I'll link the YouTube in the description. Anyways, I truly do whatever I want with my show. Hopefully you guys don't mind. Anyways, here you guys go. I just wanted to make this short video because I am watching One Piece now from the beginning and I know it's going to take me a while. I'm watching one or two episodes, maybe four every day. It's something I do to chill and relax during the evening. But I saw an episode and I wanted to record my thoughts on it because it kind of struck a chord with me. And so this is season 1 episode 14 through 15. It is about Clahador, the uh, the villain, or Captain Kuro. And there was a line that really stuck with me. It was his motivations for pulling off his whole nefarious plot. If you want to know what it is, basically he pretended to be a butler and then he is going to assassinate the young lady to get her wealth and then kill everyone so no one knows about the plan and he can live there with the wealth and the peace. But his main motivation, the one line, is so I want to have that peace of mind forever. And that was his motivation and I thought it was really well done plotline it wasn't really portrayed well or fleshed out well but I thought the main thematic elements of the villain was pretty cool so I'm just gonna go into it Uh, I'm not gonna talk about the manga because that is slightly different and it may elucidate um, the characters a little bit more in the situation but I'm just going off the anime I'm saying that right now because I know there are a lot of super fans out there who are gonna be like referring to an obscure piece of media that shows the true intentions or character of, of all of these characters in the show. We're just going off the anime. Anyways, I, I think he's a very ironic villain because the thing that he wanted, he actually had. And if he didn't do anything else, he would have kept it other than the money. The going, going over it. So he spent three years pretending to be a butler, serving very faithfully and very honestly and working hard for this one lady as well as the entire village so i'm going to be using stills from the anime so i can avoid you know getting my video claimed or it being blocked fair use is not really a thing on youtube so hopefully you guys don't mind this but it's very funny because his entire motivation was that after pretending to be the butler and trying to get the money He gained the trust of all the villagers and everyone around him. And he had a sense of peace that he never had being a bloodthirsty pirate. No wonder. (laughs) Go around being a menace to society, people are going to hunt you down, right? So he got that peace and then he cooks up this crazy plot of trying to kill the young lady 
getting her wealth and then killing everyone else so that he could have the money and maintain the peace. But in reality, all he had to do was not do that. And then he would have kept all everything that he really wanted, the, the, the peace that he had. And the funny thing is, all he had to do was not do what he was doing as, as a pirate, not going around killing people, not stealing things. And he already obtained it. It was in his hand. And that was super ironic because he had what he wanted and then he lost it by going back to his old ways. And it was also interesting in the episode because you got uh, Usopp. This is where Usopp's introduced as a character where he is a liar with good intentions. And then you have a villain telling truths or a version of the truth with bad intentions. And, and those two things going against each other. That theme was pretty cool. But yeah, I, I thought the villain was very interesting. And I thought it was a very sad character. And I also found a nice touch where at the end when he's being defeated by Luffy, the last thing he sees is the picture of, of the young lady that he was serving as a butler. So I think... You know, deep inside, he he wanted to be the good person. Maybe I'm projecting here. Uh, I, I don't know. But, I, you know, I, I, I want to think that. I want to believe that. That, you know, he wanted to be a good person. There was like a tiny portion of him where after, even if he was faking it, a- after he was acting good for that long, that maybe that's what he really wanted, but he couldn't get over his desire to always plan things and steal things it's a kind of like a tragic hero uh, where he can't get over his flaws and his flaws are his undoing because he achieved what he wanted he was living a very peaceful life all he had to do was not kill anybody (laughs) so yeah that's a really sad character there's some frames where you know i'm just like wow this is uh this is why i like this anime a lot Anyways, that was it. I know it's probably not very coherent, but I just wanted to get my thoughts out. I'm going to record more of these as I watch One Piece. Uh, I, I already want to make a video on the Treasure Chest Man. I thought that was a very wholesome episode. And then I'm currently watching um, the Sanji arc where they meet Sanji. Uh, there's some things that I wanted to record to. Uh, man, every every episode I watch, there's like a something there is just kind of thought-provoking for me. Okay, this recap is just going to be some funny stuff and wholesome episodes. I'm going to have a lot of them kind of strung together. I'm going to start with Season 1, Episode 18. When I watched One Piece for the first time, I don't know why, but this episode stuck in my memory. There's a lot of things I forgot, but this is the episode where they meet the treasure chest man. It's just a dude stuck in a treasure chest, and I thought it was so absurd. But the whole episode is so incredibly wholesome. There's just a dude who has been stuck in a treasure chest and he's been scaring pirates off the island in order to protect his treasure. And it turns out, it's a little bit of a spoiler, the treasure chests are empty and at the very end, Luffy refuses to throw the treasure chest down because he didn't want to ruin the dude's hope and dreams of guarding that treasure and and being able to obtain it one day. And so he didn't lie, he just didn't throw it down. And people are like, Luffy, what are you doing? Don't be a jerk. And it turns out that the guy already knew that treasure chests were most likely empty because treasure maps, you know, it was whoever gets there first gets it. Anyways, I thought it was really wholesome. I remember the treasure chest man, and this episode is like the embodiment of the meme where maybe 
the friends we made along the way were the real treasure, and indeed it was. For him, he made friends with the weird animals on the island, and that became his new hope and dream. Anyways, nothing really stuck out to me here. There's a lot you can take out of the episode if you want, but I just remember how wholesome it was, and rewatching it, yeah, I remembered most of it. And the crazy thing is just one episode that I remembered specifically. And as we're moving on, we're on season one, episode 22. This is where they meet Sanji. And there's a lot of humor in this entire arc. There's a lot of humor in the whole series. It's very goofy and a little bit silly. But yeah, I found a lot of funny clips in here from episode 22 to 25. There's like a really goofy scene where Sanji kicks Luffy in the head and his head goes boing-oing. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I also thought it was really silly that the cook pirates, their weapons were giant utensils. So they have giant forks, giant spoons, giant knives, giant ladles. And I also found it super funny in episode 25 where their weapon is a giant paddle boat. So just imagine Patty and the other dude, they're like paddling this fish that comes out of the boat. And it's a smaller boat inside a bigger boat. And then it has cannons in the front. But they have to paddle it. <laughs> so they're just paddling their way. It's just a really silly approach to a target. And they shoot. And the guy just lifts the boat up and throws it. Even the character of the, the Pearl dude. He just looks goofy. He just has like shields in front of him. He looks like a Pearl. But yeah, I remember there's a lot of goofy enemies uh, and just character designs and just goofy things happening. And that's why I like One Piece so much. It's very wholesome. It doesn't take itself seriously a lot of the times and sometimes it does. And it just creates a lot of fond memories. And I'm enjoying my time watching One Piece again. Uh, I don't know if One Piece is for you, but let me tell you guys, if you are not having fun in life playing games or watching shows that are just not interesting, find something that you like, you know? Life is too short, grinding away, playing a, a toxic game. I'm just talking about myself. I recently quit Apex, and I am playing Overwatch 2 with some homies, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just not having fun. And you know what I am having fun with, though? One Piece, that's right. I hope you guys find your One Piece, whatever it is, because life can be hard, and life can be short so hope you guys enjoy it and have fun this time i'm going to be going over sanji's flashback scene in season one episode 26 and a little bit of episode 27 i'm not gonna lie this episode was very heart-wrenching it was very touching to me and i know when i watch these episodes i do read a little bit more into it than there actually is and I know I project a little bit but I think looking at the consistency of the storytelling and the thematic elements just all being there and pretty obvious for the most part I think for the most part uh, it's intentional the things I'm seeing anyways I wanted to start off this is a flashback where Sanji is on an island with Zef and it's it's very sad <laughs> I'm not gonna lie maybe some tears were shed I get a little bit emotional when I watch anime for some weird reason, even though I'm dead inside like the rest of my life. When I watch anime, just sometimes, you know, I, a little moistening of the eye happens. Anyways, this was a great episode because there's a lot of contrast between Sanji and Zap. So what we see here is the source of Sanji's gratitude 
or zap and we have a nice transition when it's getting beat up by the pearl dude and then it transitions into a flashback so we're gonna skip the beginning part but we're gonna go right into the storm and there is a wave coming sanji gets washed off board and he's drowning and then zef kicks the mask down and then he uses it to get to sanji and dives down and i thought that was pretty cool because the mask is needed to travel on a boat that's where you get power from the wind to drive the ship without it you're kind of lost so he sacrifices that to go rescue sanji you know it's the beginning of all the symbolism here anyways he goes to dive down to rescue sanji and then his one of his legs becomes trapped and then he uses an anchor this is so dramatic he wraps the anchor chain around his leg and pulls tight to just amputate his own leg and I thought this was significant because he could have saved himself, but because he didn't have enough time, he sacrificed his leg to save Sanji. And the leg is a symbol of his power and strength. It's not just his literal fighting prowess. It's not just the ability to walk. It signifies his ability to make his own dreams come true. Because without his leg, he couldn't be a pirate. Sanji refers to that when he sees his injuries. If you gave up your leg, you can't be a pirate anymore. So he says that. So I believe this symbolism is super obvious, but I thought it was very touching because we see Zeph sacrificing his own ability to make his own dreams come true for the sake of saving some strange kid he met. And the main reason why he went to such lengths to save Sanji is because they have the same dream. So Sanji mentions something called the All Blue which is basically fish from all four seas are in this one sea. And I know when I first watched it, I was like, well, I can't relate to this. Like all sorts of fish in one sea. I'm like, I don't really care. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind eating fish. They're delicious. But like, what about something else? Like winning a million bucks or something. Anyways, the all blue, what it represents is an impossible or improbable ideal. So all the fish from all four seas just in one location. It's hoping for something that might not exist. It's an ideal. And Zeph also believed in this. And then later on when they're on the island. And I still remember the scene too. When he has a big bag. And he gives Sanji a smaller bag. And it's like this is your share. And then Sanji's complaining. Because it's like wow you have a bigger bag bro. And Zeph's like well I'm a bigger dude. I need more food. I want you to go to the other side of the island so we don't bother each other and save energy. And then it turns out he had no food. He gave all the food to Sanji. And here we see Zeph sacrificing yet once again. And this time, it's not just his own ability to make his dreams come true. It's not just his strength. It's his life. He was willing to sacrifice his life so that Sanji could live. And I thought that was such a heartwarming scene. I still remember that where he cuts the bag open and then just treasure comes out. And uh, they, they were waiting there for, I think, 47 days. Unless uh, it's 51. I don't, I don't know how to count the tallies. I don't know if it's 10 or 11. But yeah, this is contrasted to Sanji where he's starving, all the food's gone. And he goes with a knife and he's like, I'm going to kill you to steal your food. And we see selfish gain through violence contrasted by just pure sacrifice. And I kind of remember someone talking about the Navy SEALs training course, how there's like hell week where you don't get any sleep and you're up 
throughout an entire grueling week. And a lot of people break and a lot of people are saying, when you're at your worst, that's when your true self comes out. And that made me stop and think for a moment because I was like, what if? Because I was thinking like, how would I act if I was put into that type of situation? And I already know I'm a weak man because when I play competitive games like Apex and Overwatch, I don't end up being a good person. So <laughs> that's kind of sad, but I, you know, I wish I was a better person. I am trying to work on it every day, but it is very difficult. Going back, does it make sense for a person to sacrifice everything for someone else just because they had the same dream? And it's not really explained in the anime, but I can relate to this because I think anyone getting older, anyone who's been a parent, I I have no kids, but anyone who has kids anyone who's worked with young kids i think as you get older you can relate to what zeph did because you lived your life chasing a dream and then you see someone else working really hard to chase a dream as well it doesn't have to be the same dream as yours but what you want to do is you realize your own mortality you realize that life is coming to an end and you want to help them achieve their goal if possible because you couldn't make it so you want to give that person Everything you have, your wisdom, all your knowledge, your experience. I think for Zeph, what happened was he went to the Grand Line and he came back realizing that maybe the dream could be real, the all blue could be real, but it was out of his reach. And so instead of him going back for it, he's going to do everything in his power to help Sanji go for the dream. And I, I thought that was very heartwarming because he gave everything to a complete stranger so that they could achieve their dream in their lifetime. And it's not just, you know, all of his experience and knowledge. It's his will. He inherited everything. So Sanji knows the same attacks as Zeph. He inherited his moves too. But, you know, that's just symbolism for him inheriting his will too, along with his own. And yeah, I thought, man, this episode just keeps getting better because... The final dream of Zap, he gave up the all blue. He wanted to open a restaurant in the middle of the ocean so he could save lives. And this kind of represents hope and despair. When you're starving in the middle of the ocean, it's very hard to get food. And there's fish all around you. There's water, but you can't drink it because it's salt water. And being in that situation where it seems like there's no hope and there's only despair, you know, like wanting to save people from it no matter who they are, what a noble goal. And this is kind of shown in episode 27 where Sanji takes that in. And in, instead of using that to go chase after his dream, he's living in guilt because he feels so terrible to what happened to Zeph. He feels like it's all his fault. So instead of going out to chase his dreams, he's staying there working in the kitchen, protecting the old man's dreams. And then in the process, he wanted to die to save the old man and Luffy says it in a very in a very succinct way dying isn't a way to repay kindness and we see the effects of Zev's willingness to go provide hope in the middle of despair and darkness when we see Sanji do the same thing for Gin and he's like you know a cold-hearted tactician in the Don's army and what what does he do he's crying when he's fighting sanji and says i can't kill this one person i'll do anything else but i can't kill this one person and we see the effects of mazef and sanji wanted to do already taking place we see it producing results in in the lives they're touching 
This is sort of a long-winded episode, but I thought it was really awesome because if you kind of treat it as a microcosm, I think it's a really good message of hope where you can go out and you can try to provide hope in the midst of despair and darkness, an ocean, if you will, of despair and darkness, and going out and touching one life and, and it making all the difference in the world, even sometimes a difference between life and death. But yeah, I thought that this was a fantastic episode. I it did get a little moist in the eyes. Uh, but yeah, once again, Zav's sacrifice and then Sanji inheriting his will and combining it with his own and then moving forward in life. And also people like Gin being affected. I thought it was awesome. I, this is why I love One Piece. There's so many episodes like this. There's also a lot of just, you know, mediocre episodes too. But every once in a while you come across something that impacts you. And I, I understand that maybe this episode wasn't the same for you as it was for me. And uh, we all have those episodes somewhere. Anyways. So in this video, I'm going to cover a lot of episodes. We're just going to blast through a lot of them because, you know, I covered most of the important stuff in the previous video going over Zeph's sacrifice. Anyways, this is going to cover season one, episode 28 and 29, along with other episodes. This is the episode where Zeph explicitly says Sanji is not chasing his dream and he's telling him to go chase your dreams. He's pushing him to go out. And then we see Gin's sacrifice and we find out the reason why he was starving in the first place was that he acted as a decoy for Don Krieg. And that's kind of messed up because Don just tries to kill him. Also, a funny thought here, Luffy, the man trying to be Pirate King, has ended up as just a chore boy and a very terrible chore boy. So I thought that was kind of amusing. And then you see the fight with Don Krieg happen, and this is sort of like summing up determination in the face of obstacles. A lot of the fights in anime or even superhero shows and comics and all that are usually all symbolic in nature. The good fights are not only just awesome and visually stunning and, and gripping, but they represent something larger. Anyways, very simple, just determination in the face of obstacles, just not giving up, and this is a pretty good life lesson, but it's kind of hard to do in real life because, you know, in anime, the fight takes like, what, a couple of minutes? But in real life, if there's something you want to accomplish and there are obstacles, not giving up could take decades, it could take your whole life. To achieve a dream so it's very difficult but one thing i've found is you know don't let your dreams be memes that's right if you have a dream and you want it to come true that means that you have to work on it and in order to work on it you have to make time for it so what i found is you want to start small a lot of people try to go big and then they fail because they bite off more than they can chew it's okay to start small that's what she said anyways it's okay to start small, so what I would do is look at how you're spending your time, like look at what you're doing. So if you're watching, you know, anime, TV shows, movies, if you're playing games like maybe League of Legends or Valorant, I don't like those games. I'm just using them as examples because they're very popular. Just don't play one match for the day before you start gaming. Take that 20 to 50 minutes that you were going to spend on a match and then work towards your dream every day and then see where that takes you. And even if you change your dreams, even if you don't want to chase that current dream you're chasing, you still carry a lot of things with you, not necessarily the things you learned, because they might not be directly applicable to whatever new dream you have, 
But the discipline and hard work that you build up will stay with you and it'll help you chase your dreams. It's a little bit of life advice there. Take it or leave it. And then during episode 29, we see Sanji save Luffy, kind of like how Zeph saved Sanji. So the circle is complete. It's a nice loop. Also, very funny imagery in episode 29. You see a hundred dudes on a tiny ship. It's super funny. I thought they... <laughs> and I'm physically, it's impossible, but I thought it was very comic. And then we see Gin say, I'll see you at the Grand Line. I thought this was touching because, I mean, literally they'll meet at the Grand Line. But what he's saying is, let's meet where our dreams will come true. Let's meet chasing our dreams together. And then we see in episode 30, we see Sanji excitedly talking about his dream again. And it's actually shown in the animation. He's, he's very happy and animated versus looking very serious and grumpy from before. And then we see towards the end, Zeph's parting gift. He is pushing Sanji to go out by lying about his cooking being bad. And he gets all the chefs in. He wants Sanji to go chase his dreams. And it, yeah, you know, I got a little moisty eye there. And then Sanji hears them talking. And a scene where he's bowing at the very end. And he says goodbye. And then the chef says, you know, don't catch a cold. Make sure to eat well. And that's something... It might not be relatable in other cultures, but in Asian cultures, uh, parents and children, they don't really share their feelings, so they won't actually say, I love you. Uh, it's not a thing. In some relationships, it's very difficult to talk about feelings, so they'll say stuff like, did you eat, you know, or don't catch a cold, so and then that kind of moistened the eyes a little bit, tickle the feels. Anyways, we see something hilarious. We see Yosaku being eaten by a shark and the shark's just swimming in the ocean. Again, the comedy in this is super hilarious. And then finally, we're moving into Season 1, Episode 31. This is where we see the fishmen. This is the Arlong arc where we see Nami's flashback and the fight for Nami. I thought this was cool. We see Zoro's fight is pretty quick and then we go to Usopp. That was pretty quick too. And then we're getting Sanji on board. There's always a fight to get them on board. And then next we're going to see Luffy fight Arlong for Nami. The episode starts off pretty goofy. There's some goofy looking fishmen. And then Luffy drawing the fishmen. I totally forgot about this. It's super funny. It's just fish with legs and it's just orienting him in different directions. This is also where they go over the three forces in the Grand Line. They introduce the Shichibukai, the, the seven pirate warlords. I'm pretty sure I butchered that, but it's fine. And then there's a lot of hilarity happening in this episode where they're going and <laughs> Zoro wants to take the fight and go straight through the main gates. So then they knock Zoro out and they tie him on the boat and then the fishmen come on board so they just leave Zoro. <laughs> and then, uh, and then <laughs> there's a comment making fun of Usopp's appearance. They call him barely human. And then Usopp gets knocked out too. This is hilarious. Ends with Nami being revealed as a leader of the Arlong Pirates. And of course, it's not believable because there are a lot of references to her wanting to be free and her being really happy with the crew. That's going to be it. Some episodes are just, you know, pretty funny. It's a lot of fluff and that's okay. Okay, that has been episode 15 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. I will compile more of my One Piece recap episodes. Right now, this is all I had, and I'm just going to make like a comp compilation of a bunch of them and just release them as podcast episodes every once in a while. Anyways, thank you very much for listening.
I really do appreciate it. And as always, hope you guys are staying safe and sane out there. And I'll catch you guys next time.